You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. What's up, guys? Welcome into Good Morning Lambo. My name is Clayton. You can check us out on Packernet.com. You can find me on Twitter at Packers underscore access. You can email us, PackersTotalAccess at gmail.com. Text us, 865-658-5824. I apologize. Y'all caught me flipping through the channels over here as we were going live. But I'm joined alongside Tim live in Green Bay. We got Jacob uh, right on the border of enemy territory in Vikings land um, joining us as well. But uh, how you guys doing this morning? I see Tim's got the diesel cup and the shareholder. And the shareholder cup there, he's got the diesel in it. How you, you doing? No, man. You know, it's uh green and gold Friday, man. Crank it up. Diesel up. Yeah, it says uh it says Packers owner. It it should say like Vikings, Bears, Cowboys owner. Oh Lord. So it should say 49ers owner. I got Let's you. Go. Let's do it. See what what about you? What you? Jacob looked a little bit hesitant there on that last comment. Jacob, what are you thinking, man? I'm still feeling good, man. I'm still. <laughs> As he stares down at the table, I'm still feeling good. <laughs> I'm just. Oh, we're gonna give him. Some <laughs> I'm just waking up. I gotta get. I gotta get. What do you? Uh, can I? Can we? Can I start the conversation with something that just bugged the crap out of me? Yeah, That's absolutely, man. Let's hear it, dude. Uh, I woke up, like I said, about 10 minutes ago, and I always try to flip to something Packers right before I hop on here, just in case it sparks something a little, you know, whatever. So I was listening to Matt, uh, Matt LaFleur's recent press conference. I just thought, oh, I haven't listened to Matt in a while, and I really don't like press conferences in general. And, man, I listened to seven minutes before I hopped on here. Some of the stupidest questions I've ever heard. First of all, did anybody see when that lady asked the Buccaneers guy, I think he asked the Buccaneers coach about whether or not they're going to prepare to play in the elements in Detroit. And he's just like, it's like, bro, they play in a dome. You know that, right? I love how actually is Todd Bowles. He said, we, uh, we, we play inside. So, I mean, we're, there's going to be 20 seconds when we walk from the bus to the building. I think Mm -hmm. we'll be able to handle it. Yeah. Now, in, in her defense, and I was hearing Wildy and them talk about this, which Mark Towser was cracking me up on Wildy and Towser. He said, it's amazing how 
reporters and media members just go to bat for each other. Like you, if someone on a team, if a coach or a player says something that they deem inappropriate, they all come running like, how dare you? If a reporter does does or says something stupid, it's they all come to each other's defense always. And you know, I don't know if I agree to it, agree with it to the extent that Tausch was talking. Well, but I will say this though, in that situation, like Wildy did point out, sometimes news stations will send just regular anchors in to hey, go down there and cover that press conference. So maybe she didn't know, right? Or maybe she was referring to the fact that, hey, you guys are going to be up here for three days out of the week and it's, you know, negative six degrees. How are you going to get acclimated to that? I mean, there is a factor to that, right? But, you know, I, I think you get one of two reactions. Either someone doesn't care or the other people are going, what a moron. <laughs> so, well, the one I was talking about, when the specifically in the Matt LaFleur questions, um, they were yeah. asking him like five or six consecutive questions about being under center. And those are just more annoying because you could tell that for whatever reason, Whoever was asking the question was really in on that. But then it came to the next guy. And again, I don't know who it was because I'm I don't care about the reporters or whatever. But they said, Oren Burks, Oren Burks is playing a, a really good linebacker. Do you think that they use him more in the run game or more in the pass game? And Matt LaFleur just took like a two-minute or a two-second pause and he's like, Well, he's the starting linebacker in their base formation. So he plays both. Like, and then that was like, he's like, next question. And then it was just like, What is going on? Like Bro, it, I don't know. Stay yeah, off that, the damn weed. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, when it comes to that stuff, that's that's what Matt Lafleur was saying earlier in the year about the two down linemen. Like you guys are exposing yourselves. Like you understand that our outside linebackers are edge defenders. They play defensive line. And listen, if you don't know that, it's totally cool. It ain't a big deal. But when your approach is, <laughs> you guys got cut apart on defense. Yeah. Why did you only have two down linemen in? I love the fact that the coach is like, well, you little mother. (laughs) Slap them up a little bit. But that stuff drives me insane. It's just like the whole, I can't believe we did this on defense. Well, you understand that by doing that, you are taking away this. Therefore, by doing that and taking away this, the other team now can do that. Unless you take it away, then you have to take that away. Like, there's 11 it's 11 versus 11 it just amazes me how people will especially the ones who are on that on their high horse like <laughs> these coaches they just don't understand like there's one I will not say his name he's been doing a podcast forever I mean forever and his whole approach was well your problem's Joe Barry that's how you fix the problem because immediately after that there was one of the bad losses uh, Matt LaFleur came out and said, they said, are you basically the first question he got was, are you, are you going to move on from Joe Barry essentially is what he was asked. And he said, well, right now I'm looking for solutions. And that guy was like, how can you be so stupid to not know that's your solution? And I'm going, you have no clue what you're talking about. Bringing in another DC or firing Joe Barry is not going to make, you know, Devondre Campbell cover his zone. It's not going to make Josh stop biting on double moves. Right. Like, it's not you just get rid of him and now the problem's fixed. We know what the defensive play calls are to a certain extent, and you can anybody who's got two brain cells to rub together can watch the tape and go, Hark, he just messed up. Guess what? It happens. It's not the roast of players. It's just the society we live in is when something doesn't go the way I want it, somebody's got to pay. That's just the society we live in. Now, is like I said, we've said all year long, is are there better options? I guarantee you there's better options. Joe Barry. The question is who, and can you get them in here? 
and not mess up the chemistry and not set back the time it's going to take to teach that defense, to teach those principles, for your players to get acclimated to them. People don't want to accept this. And I didn't know we were starting with Joe Barry. This is wild. People don't want to accept this, but if you run Joe Barry out of the building, there's everybody thinks that everything's going to be fixed and everyone's going to be happy. Preston Smith's going to be pissed off. Kenny Clark's going to be pissed off. These players that have went to bat for Joe Barry all year long, they're going to get pissed off. So you're going to have several players that are kind of like, maybe they think, well, crap, I don't want to be here then. Well, think about the fact, like right now, we all kind of think fondly about the days of old of Dom Capers, even Mike Pettin, and even, you know what I mean? Guys that we thought at the moment, we're like, ah, we could do better. But then the, you know, a couple seasons go by and you turn around and you're like, oh man, maybe we kind of ran that guy out of town a little too early, you Mm -hmm. know? I mean, yeah. think about like you talked about all the cool pick sixes we remember the end of the game sacks the forced fumbles the clay a lot of clay stuff Matthews. the clay matthews the kevin green it's time it is time like <laughs> we look back on that and in the moment we're like we need a new dc you know what i mean or maybe we need a new this a new that it's like dude maybe we gotta chill <clears throat> most of these i think we need to extend the a courtesy to matt lafleur and just i've given him more smack talk than anybody trust me but it seems like over his tenure and over the two or three you know, years we've had to develop Jordan Love, to develop certain uh, parts of the offense, to develop his drafting schemes that he mixes in. Obviously, that's more of a goot thing, but it seems like it's all coming together. And like you said, do we want to take away a really key part of that, which is the defensive coordinator, right at the time where the offense, and it seems like our scheme and our young players are just ascending. I don't want to knock that base out right away. You know what I mean? Right. It's just you – know. it, go ahead, Tim. I'm sorry. Oh, no, I was just going to say, I mean, if anything, if I'm Goody, I'm I'm – looking at Joe and saying, Hey, who do you want? Right. Uh, what, what pieces do you need? Um, and, uh, yeah, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm with you, Clayton. They're, they're, they're probably our better candidates out there, but I'm just not willing to Jacob's point. I'm just not willing to say that that's the best move for this team going forward, doing a new install. Um, you know, we just got these guys buying in right and now. We're going to, now we're going to pull the rug out from under them and say, all right, forget everything we did last year or the year before. I mean, that that's what where I stand with Joe Barry. And and we've talked about this before. I love bringing it up. Pull pull the metrics. We've improved across the board every year defensively uh, since Joe Barry took over. And that is a fact. It's not that's that's not up for debate. We can look, pick pick your numbers, um, and you'll see improvement in nearly every category on defense. This, this may be hard for you guys to see. I've got it on the screen. And you said pull the metrics. I immediately went to the screenshot as we were talking. We talked about this about, I don't know, what, three weeks ago, Tim, two weeks ago, something like that. Yep. And uh, just to kind of give you guys an idea, I'll read it off off screen so you guys who can't see it, all right, or can't, you know, can't read it. But in 2023, we've given up 383 points, okay? Now, understand from last year, right? Let's see. Uh, that's that's actually offense. Let me go to defense. I screenshotted the wrong one. Uh, hold on just a second, Jacob. Don't Jacob's looking at that going, holy cow. I almost yeah. did. I yeah. almost did. <laughs> that's, that's that offense improving. We'll get to that later. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's a good thing, too, by the way. <laughs> let me see. And these screenshots are going to come through a little bit weird, but let me get it up real quick. I want to read these because it is it's very, very important. Um because we've got this, if you if you just focused on Twitter, if you just focused on the fans that are in the Fireberry camp and were all season long, it's like they were just constantly looking for a reason to get rid of the guy. Um, when you look at the metrics, here we go. This is there this we go. Defense. So, in twenty twenty three, 
we've given up 350 points. This is in the regular season, okay, 350 points. Last year, we gave up 371. The year before, 371. That's both Joe Barry's first two years, okay? It's weird that they gave up the same exact amount of points his first two years. Mm-hmm. But 2020, right, you gave up, uh, let's see here, it was 369, right? And in 2019, it was 313, okay? So when you look at the defense and how it's kind of evolved, we ran Mike Petton out of town for giving up 369 points in 2020, right? So you bring in Joe Barry, and he gives up two more points than Mike Pettin. And then in 2022, he gives up 371 points, the same as the year before, right? So you're like, well, dang, we we gave up just as many points with Joe Barry. This year, 350 points, 21 points less. That's better than Mike Pettin's 2020 season, okay? And then you go, okay, well, his better year was 2019. It was, you're right, 313 points. The year before that? 400 points, 50 more points than we've given up this year. So you see that you see it improving overall yards. Last year, 5,723 yards. This year, 5,696. We're better this year in total yards. Passing yards, we dipped a bit. Last year, 3,351. This year, 3,515. Now, why is that? We're playing more man coverage. You've got more explosives in man coverage. So what's What's the other thing you do here this year? People were complaining about the rush defense last year, right? Yep. Here you gave up 2,372 rushing yards. This year, 2,181 rushing yards. You gave up almost 200 less rushing yards this season. Yards per attempt last year, right? Yeah, yards per attempt overall. 6.5 yards per attempt last year. This year, 6.2. Yards per carry in the run game. Last year, you gave up 5.0. This year, it's 4.4. So, you know, six-tenths of a yard less per carry this year in the run game Ooh. sacks last year yeah last look year, at that one look at that one joe barry haters it's one of the pressures really shocked me yeah like like now think about this mike Pettin. remember 2019 it was we got a defense we finally got a defense right mike Pettin in 2019 41 sacks in 2020 41 sacks right this year joe barry's defense 45 sacks Last year, people would say our pass rush was a strength, right? You know, Rashawn Gary, I mean, he actually got hurt, and they dipped because of that. But you would think, okay, this pass rush is kind of getting after the quarterback. This year, you have 11 more 11 more sacks this year than last year. And people want to dog on Rashawn Gary like, oh, Rashawn Gary got his money, and he just stopped playing. You're not focusing on the game plan. You can tell that they're keying in on the run more, not being as aggressive in the pass rush, making sure they don't rush all the way up the field past the quarterback. Since the DeVito game, we we scream we want adjustments until we make the adjustment. Then it's, okay, now it's the player's fault. No, that's that's not how football is played. We started the conversation with it. You can take one thing away, but you're giving something else up. That's just the way the game works. Now, pressures, too. You guys know I focus more on pressures than sacks. 194 pressures last year. This year, 224. By the way, the big glorious year of 2019 for Mike Pettin, right? He had, what, uh, 238, and then in 2020, he dipped all the way to 176. Joe Barry absolutely smoked that this year. Almost 50 more pressures this year than 2020 Pettin's last year. Now, the big thing that stands out is the turnovers. Yeah, the turnovers is the big thing. 24 turnovers last year, this year only 17. So you're seven less turnovers this year. Why is that? Man coverage. Man coverage. Mm -hmm. So 
And, and listen, I'm not totally against man coverage. You guys know I'm not a big fan of it. But the point is, when you say, okay, we want to play man coverage, we're tired of playing this soft shell, you take your eyes off the quarterback. Go back to the play, the pick six from Darnell Savage, right? What was he doing? He had his eyes on Dak the whole time because we were playing cover three spinner, essentially. And we were firing the will, if I remember correctly. So, you know, it's it's just one of those things that, as a fan, you've got to try to understand what are they trying to accomplish in these specific situations. And the answer always isn't, it's that guy's fault, you know, burn him at the stake, right? And, uh, again, it, I don't care what the position coach is, who the coordinator is, hell, even the head coach. I love Matt LaFleur. But if you're telling me we can bring in this guy and it's going to improve the team, I'm all about improvement all the way across the board. It's what I said about Aaron last year. People were saying, you know, we need to go to Jordan, we need to go to Jordan. I'm like, if you can guarantee me Jordan's better, let's do it. But no one was taking that bet last year. Now, it turns out with Aaron with a broken thumb, Jordan has played better this year. Bro, we're off to the freaking races, right? But it's just you, you got to look at it from a logical standpoint. And if people want to fan emotionally, that's cool. I don't care. You know, do, do what you want. But when you hop in my Twitter mentions and start scolding me because I'm, quote, unquote, a Barry apologist, and then I say, hey, why don't we – let's go watch the tape together. I'll show you what I'm seeing. Maybe I'm seeing something wrong. Oh, well, they don't want to do that, Clay. Oh, no. no, no, sir. No, sir. So, yeah, we just want to make sure that this podcast is covering that, right, to the best of our best of our knowledge. Like, we can't – I'm not sitting here saying we do everything perfect. We're the farthest thing from it. We're going to try to find the correct answer. And we've got former players, former coaches, uh, college coordinators that I'm in communication with where it's like, hey, what do you think this was right here? What do you think the issue was there? It's not just me going, ha, ha, I figured this out, right? That's how you uh, end up looking like a doofus. So, anyway, Jacob, what else you got on that topic? Oh, man, that's that sums it up pretty good. I, I don't think we need to drill that anymore. Cool. Good deal. Um, Nick McSwain in the chat earlier said, Clayton, I've heard the Niners like to disguise their defense a lot. Has Love went against defenses that do this before? If so, uh, how did he do? So, everybody, Nick, everyone in the National Football League disguised their looks. Right. They disguise their blitzes. They disguise their defenses. You know, some teams do it better than others. They do. And, and you know, some people spend more time focusing on that as where other teams will just try to kind of play their defense. But to give you an example, when we talk middle field open and middle field close, that's not pre-snap. That is the end result. Right. Two on the shelf, middle field open. Right. That's the end result. So they may come out in a single high safety and post-snap rotate. Right. So when we talk about middle field open, middle field closed, and you look at the analytics, you look at the the stats like with the 49ers in general, we talk they play middle field open more than they play middle field closed, but they still play middle field closed like what was it, 40% of the time or whatever it was, right? So it's still – it's a lot more even than we – than sometimes it sounds like the conversation is leading you to believe. We just always want to key in on here's what they actually do more. Now, it doesn't mean they won't change it up this game, but, yes, he has – Face plenty of disguises this year, no doubt about it. Nick. Kansas City comes to mind. They do a yes. lot of the, a lot of the late rotation. Um, and let me give and you how Jordan handled that game. Remember Minnesota, New Year's Eve, right? I showed you guys how they were they were sugaring the heck out of him at the line of scrimmage, and then they did that rotation where they run a invert Tampa two, right? Perfect example of disguising. Right there, dead fish, right on the money. <laughs> yeah, yeah, perfect. You got it, dead fish. That's exactly what the Vikings did. You seen what he did to the Vikings? Now listen. What's the difference between the Vikings and the Niners? Everything. 
you show me who uh, who plays at Nick Bosa's level off the edge for the Vikings. You're not going to find him. Daniel Hunter's a good player. He's not Nick Bosa, right? They don't even have an Armstead in the middle, right? They uh, they don't have a Traverius Moore at the corner position, right? They they damn sure don't have a Fred Warner patrolling the middle. Right. I mean, he makes that defense go. So, uh, yeah, let's see. Nick McSwain said, uh, okay, you're back to that comment. Good deal. Do you uh, Could I highlight a comment? Well, I can't literally highlight a comment. Mm. Hold but. on, just let me get through these two, and then you tell me okay. which one it is. Okay, give me the timestamp. Drew D said, uh, don't the Cowboys disguise a lot? They do. They play more man than anything, but they disguise a lot. You guys remember the zero coverage that he burned them on wicks down the seam, the little uh, the little stutter, uh, stutter post? Um, that was them trying to disguise right there. Jordan just read it like a book. It was so cool. You can see the players try to bluff like they changed the play. He come up and said, check, check, pointed them out, told the Y to stay in safe. And you can see the linebackers go and act like they're doing something. They're like, oh, crap. <laughs> he just seen it. So uh, that's why that pre-snap and running – pre-snap hard count and running the clock down so low is so important. Drew D says, uh, uh, Clayton, I thought, it, I thought you weren't doing a show today. What day – is it no morning show? That's tomorrow. I just wanted to make sure I pointed that out. If you didn't get it, Drew, then I'm sure a bunch of other people didn't get it either. No morning show tomorrow, but we'll be back for the post-game show or the pre-game show and the post-game show. Go ahead, Jacob. Which uh, which comment were you want to see, brother? Oh, I hate to talk more about Drew D, but he just posed a good question because as I read it, I'm like, man, I don't, I don't know. But uh, he says, in reference to the defense trying to improve, he said, I just don't know where you try to easily upgrade this defense. Safety is one, which, by the way, I think Cooper DeGene's starting to look more and more realistic by the day which would be cool um but he said safety's one but where else and then i thought about it i'm like dang that's kind of in the hobby it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks we get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high value jordan love card but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates it's all just a shot in the dark until now introducing slab packs from arenaclub.com the only repack that provides real value a complete view on all possible cards and clear hit rates for each one now when I buy slab packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. 
And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, motion sounds something like this. Kizik helps you experience the magic of motion. With over 200 patents and easy on, easy off technology, you'll never have to touch your shoes again. There are hundreds of styles and colors, plus a squish like nothing you've ever felt. For a limited time, get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Where else would you take somebody out? And then I saw another comment maybe down in there by Paul that said depth, just basically depth, Drew. And I don't know if that would be, it, it just, it, it kind of bodes to our last topic that like you can't just plug and play and make things instantly better. So. And who would you take out? I don't know. <clears throat> That's the thing, too. Like, I've been fighting this all year long, Jacob. I'm going, we're not talking about the draft until after the season. <laughs> I'm, going, to talk, I'm talking yeah. positional. You know what no, I mean? Right. Yeah, no. It, position. It's. I say that and I laugh because every day when I go to put a show together, I'm going, God, I'd really like to hit on this about the draft. Not necessarily the prospects, but just how we need to fix a roster. But every week I look up, like me and Tim talking, I go, I mean, damn, we're still playing. This is kind of cool. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, yeah. So, as far as upgrade, you got to look at this. Is way you don't have to. This way, I look at it. I look at it by tiers of importance, right? Edge, top tier of importance. Interior defensive line, more specifically, a three tech where you can get after the pass rusher and kind of dominate the interior with the run. Think of generational players like Aaron Donald, right? Kenny Clark is a great pass rushing interior defensive lineman. He's not Aaron Donald, right? You're you're still looking for those type of guys you know I mentioned Jalen Carter early in the season and people say well Clayton he was gone before we picked right but it's not it's not against Wisconsin state law and it damn sure isn't against federal law to trade up a couple spots to get a generational talent right we we picked at 13 he went what was it number nine or number 10 if you were to somehow some way trade up and get a Jalen Carter instead of a Lucas Van Ness and you guys see the jersey I love I love LVN I'm just saying those type of situations where you can lock up an interior defensive line that's going to absolutely dominate the NFL. He did the first half of the season. I believe he started to taper off, but the first half of the season, he might have been the highest graded interior defensive line in the entire National Football League as a rookie. That caught no one by surprise. Everyone knew how dominant he was going to be. I remember Greg Cosell talking about watching the tape last year, and he was talking about over the summer he watches prospects, right, going into the next year. And he said Jalen Carter would have been the best defensive lineman if he came out last year. So, you know, he was that good. So to answer your question, you're always looking for edge. You're always looking for interior defensive line. And then the second tier of importance, in my opinion, is middle linebacker and free safety, the center of your defense. Okay, so you're looking edge, interior defensive line. If you had to say, Clayton, what is the most important position? I'm going interior defensive line because they can stop the run and they can push the pocket into the quarterback. You're going to get mobile quarterbacks where edges come into play big time. Edge and interior defensive line. Interior defensive line is 1A and edge is 1B in my opinion. But, yeah. yeah so is, I think now, we've got a core to build around in the middle, though, with uh, as far as middle linebackers is concerned. To me, I'm putting uh, – I'm going to try and put guys around uh, Quay Walker and, and Zay McDuffie. Um I love Devondre Campbell. I just, you know, looking down the road, I don't, I don't right. know how long he'll be a Packer. Um, appreciate everything he's done and continues to do for this team, playing through injury and being a veteran leader on an extremely young team. Um, those are, uh, those are intangibles, man. And, you know, a lot of things that you can't teach and can't coach that up, but 
you know, the youth movement is a real thing here um, on both sides of the ball in Green Bay. So I would be looking. It wouldn't shock me if uh, if we took a middle linebacker in the draft at yeah, all. Definitely. And when it comes to middle linebacker, like people say, okay, we're good at, with Quay and Dre, right? Okay, so you wouldn't take a Fred Warner? I would. You know what I mean? Well, they don't grow on trees. No crap genius. I love it when people say it. Like last year I was going, I think we need to put a little more emphasis on tight end because you look up at the end of the year and the final four teams had good tight ends. They had mm-hmm. good centers. You know, on the offensive side of the ball, I've got center as a tier two of importance position. But like tight end is teetering on that. People go, oh, you're crazy. You can get a tight end later. The mindset of you can get a tight end later is how you end up missing on a Travis Kelsey who was drafted later, right? So it's just it, this mindset of, well, we just need to put a little less emphasis on that. I don't I don't think it holds too true. Now, Paul Robertson in the chat said, Philly and San Francisco, the Jets always draft an extra D lineman. Jalen Carter, they took Jalen Carter, and the year before they took his, uh, his teammate Jordan Davis, remember? Stud, yep. interior defensive lineman. They already had Fletcher Cox when they took Jordan Davis. And then they turned around and took Jalen Carter after they took Jordan Davis. You know, same thing, like you said, with the Jets in San Francisco. Um, that's how you build the core of your team, man. They're the closest player to the football every single defensive snap, right? Yeah, that, the most important, right? Defensive line and offensive line. Yeah. And you look more, at this Packers team, that's that's where we need to start, you know, really. Yeah. More important than uh, Paul's comment there of uh, Philly, San Francisco, Jets always draft an extra defensive lineman. AFAM jumps in and says, Paul eats avocado avocado toast for breakfast. There you go. <laughs> you Stop sure about that? Continue. <laughs> you sure about that? Oh, oh man. Let's see here. Uh, Maki, and they see here we are talking draft, guys. I knew you – Jacob, this is your fault. Maki said uh, – <laughs> Can you imagine the schemes that could be drawn up with uh, Cooper DeGene um, able to play both DB and safety? Now, some people will go, wait a minute. No, you don't want that type of player. They said that about Branch last year, and Branch has really, really improved that line's secondary. You guys know that was my big draft crush last year. So, um, yeah. I think it's ironic they kind of talked smack about Branch and Hamilton the year before, and they both came out in their rookie years and – Kind of went, kind of went Hamilton's off. A stud, bro. Hamilton is just—you could see that. I had him as my number two prospect, and when he dropped, when he started dropping, I was going caught. I would pray, I pray to sweet baby Jesus, Green Bay, be willing to. Could you imagine Kyle Hamilton playing safety right now in this Packer defense? I mean, he's he's a top five safety in the league. Some people would argue he's the best safety in the league, and he's he's what makes that Ravens defense go. People say. He was gone before you pick, Clayton. I know. Yes, he Goody wouldn't have grabbed him. His RES wasn't there. Yeah, there you go, man. There you go. So hey, that we're gonna cool. give we're gonna give Savage another five million. So we'll be back. Don't worry, uh, listen, guys. Listen, I can't believe I'm about to say what I'm about to say. Oh boy! But if he continues to do what he's doing right now, I'm <laughs> cool with five million because you have nothing else in that safety room coming back. Right? Let's kind of set that floor. The problem is. He's shown he's shown flashes in the past, and then he just – I mean, at, last year he graded out as one of, if not the worst safeties in the league, right? So this is a totally different ballgame this year. Did it finally click? It may have. And, again, it doesn't matter what we think. Uh, you know, when, when I'm sitting here talking, when I'm dogging on Savage and I'm watching the tape going, I don't understand what he's doing, and PFF is grading him in the, in the basement, I always end my thought process or my conversation with, I don't know a thousandth of a percent of a football player evaluation as Brian Gutekunst does. So the yeah. fact that he put almost 8 million into Savage this year, 
I have to step back a little bit and go. Now, two years of him playing bad, I was I was sitting there going, I, I, I refuse to get on board anymore. Then lo and behold, he gets a pick six, grades out the best defensive player on the on the field, and uh, has been grading out consistently in the sixties, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I need to pull that up. I'm going to pull that up and fact check that. Really Average has been making plays uh, this year. You know when he's been out there. Um, you know, we've been seeing him play, live up to his name, you know, playing like a savage out there. We've seen some big hits and um, some good tackles, um, you know, and what a surprise, right? He's in a contract here, you know. I mean, he's not just auditioning for for us. He's auditioning for a job anywhere uh, in the NFL. So uh, whether it's, you know, back in Green Bay on a, you know, a, a one to three year deal kind of kind of scenario or if he tests the market and ends up somewhere else. Uh, we'll see, but um, certainly stepped up his level of play this year for sure. That that can't be denied. Yeah, and when you look at his grades this year, starting week one, week one seventy three point five, week two fifty one point eight, week three sixty three point two, week four fifty one point nine, week five sixty point eight, week seven fifty eight point six. So at that point, it's okay. Savage has shown us who he is. Right, he gets hurt. Comes back from the injury, Kansas City game 85.0. Gives us some hope. But then week 14, 57.9. He misses three games, comes back 56.7. Then in week 18, 69.9. And then, of course, last week he graded out. Was it in the 90s? Am I thinking right? It was 80s or 90s, right? It was graded out last week. It's not showing the playoffs on this, but essentially his career grade starting his rookie year 2019, 67.1, 75.3. 58.5, 47.5 last year. And then now this year he's back up to 66.3. So maybe 5 million is a little too rich, Tim. I know that's the number I threw out before. Like I would take him for 5 million. Um, Let him test the market. I think based off of his athletic profile, he'll probably get a lot of looks and they'll see that on tape at pick six and people will fall in love with that. You know, Mm -hmm. I don't know, Jacob, how you feel about that? Would you have Savage back for, uh, for five million per? Honestly, I don't think I would, but I will acknowledge that I'm sure he'll go to like Baltimore or San Fran or Philly or some, you know, the giant. He'll go somewhere and he'll end up being like a consistent 75 player for the rest of his career. And then we'll all be like, he'll, he'll make, yeah, yeah he'll be night all over again. Whatever you want to say. It, it'll, it'll make everybody, I'm sure, cringe, but I'm just kind of ready to. The safety is really a position where it seems like ever since. We lost, you know, we had Sharper for a while. I know he kind of got a little crazy after that. Mm. But <laughs> when we had Charles Woodson back there, man, but then even like it's 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 even now kind of sad to say, I really do think Adrian Amos had a lot more to do with keeping a lot of the defense together than we maybe give him credit for. Um, but yeah. I, I just would love to have somebody back there that I don't have to worry about. One that can stay healthy, too. I don't know why. It just seems like those guys have been kind of made out of glass lately, but. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm interested in seeing uh, Ant Johnson develop a little bit. You know, we talked yeah. about him. We've seen a little bit of him this year, um, and uh, he seems like a guy with a pretty high ceiling. But he's definitely a raw talent, and you know, one of those guys that has kind of played like a rookie. Sometimes, you know, we always talk about the rookies on this team not playing like rookies. Um, we've seen a little bit of that from Ant Johnson, but I think he's gotten more comfortable. And it and has improved as the years going on. So I mean, he's going to be, he's going to be there. Um, the question is, you know, who do we, who do we bring in there to complement that? You know, we haven't even talked about your boy Rudy Ford yet, Clayton. Well, we about to, we about to. What's this? Yeah, I, there we go. 
<laughs> I just took a screenshot here. Um, I went to, you know, we talk about PFF grades, right? And you guys know we we cover the 33rd team too, and they use uh, EPA points added. God, of course, that's the case. My goodness, man, I've, I've got so many things saved on here. Every time it says too many images, I'm like I pay you guys enough money to let me put as many images on the platform as I want to. <laughs> Trust me. My wife lets me know about it. Okay. So, um, all right. So, this may be hard to read. I will try to read it off for you guys, but this is uh, total points per game. Now, SIS points, they, they, they grade it like the coaches do. Okay. You get points on each play. It can be negative points, it can be positive points. I have heard that SIS uses a negative 14 to positive 10 point range. Okay. Negative 14 being the worst play you could possibly have the example they use is a pick a quarterback throwing a pick six on the one yard line and them taking it 99 yards back okay so that would be a negative 14 play if you will but uh so you know expected points added when you hear epa that's what they're talking about it's expected points added they kind of you know it doesn't factor factor in the 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 uh specifics of the play right but it just kind of gives you a result based off of the play and, and not all players are equal in value when you talk about EPA. But when it comes to the points, right, what they've done here on the 33rd team is total points per game. All right. So this shows you who has had the biggest impact on an average basis. It's not total points. It's total points per game. So, you know, Rudy hasn't played a whole lot of snaps this year. He's been hurt, you know, off and on this year. But still, he leads the defense in total points per game at 2.2. All right. I know everybody loves to roast Rashawn Gary, too. Right. All of a sudden, Rashawn Gary's selfish and he's stealing everybody's money. He's second on the team at two point one. All right. This is how coaches think. All right. So keep that in mind. Keyshawn Nixon, one point seven. Kind of mind boggling. Right. Now, is the PFF grade important? Absolutely. It is. Right. I, I put a lot of stock in PFF. I put a lot of stock in this, too. So where is Darnell Savage? He is all the way. To, I think I counted it off. He's the 22nd highest uh, graded player according to SIS data on total points per game at 0.4, okay? So when you look at the PFF grade, you look at the, the total points, that's after the pick six, too. Keep that in mind. I wonder what that graded out at. You know what I mean? That was probably a plus five or something. You know what I'm saying? So if you take away the pick six, whew, it's probably pretty ugly. Now, you just mentioned Anthony Johnson Jr., right, Tim? Yep. He's sitting at 0.9. And he actually is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen. We're like roughly the thirteenth highest graded player on the team, according to SIS data, thirty-third team total points per game. So this just gives you kind of an idea. I'll tell you one who's really stood out, Corey Ballantyne, right? Yeah. One point six. Jonathan What's that? I was just gonna say on the opposite side of that spectrum, you see Devondre Campbell is even grading out quite a bit worse. Mm -hmm. uh, I really thought he would. Yeah, that the snap counts are down though too. You know, like just a lot of time that's going to skew the numbers um, mm -hmm. a little bit there. I think one of the things that, uh, yeah, you you just mentioned uh, Jo. You know, yeah. here's another guy. He's here on a one year deal right now, right? Um, do we do we see him uh, back at training camp next year once again? Um, I I don't know. I didn't realize Rudy Ford was thirty. It's crazy. <laughs> That's yeah, no, yeah, I, yeah. Know, I noticed that there too. I didn't realize he was thirty. It's um, probably what's holding Goody back a little bit, right? Yeah, you know what I mean? from really, uh, yeah, they'll probably let him test the market again and then match or or make the offer better. Is 
would be my my guess. I would think one of those two names would be back, right? You know, J.O.'s 29, Rudy mm-hmm. Ford's 30. I, I think one of those quote-unquote veterans would be would be mm-hmm. back, you know, or Savage. Um, and then, yeah, you, you go with Ant Johnson or you you draft or you, you bring more young pre- players in. But uh, safety to me is more important than corner um, yeah. when it comes to looking ahead for this team. Oh, absolutely, especially if you're going to play kind of a quarters look, right? Yep. You're going to have those guys just kind of keeping everything in front of them for the most part. But I think it is fascinating to look at that data for sure. Now, if we were to cross-check this with PFF, and when you look at it from that standpoint, look at the PFF grades now. Darnell Savage, 76.8. Okay. So he's climbed up significantly. Obviously, he's second on the on the team. Rashawn Gary, first. Again, I'm not saying Rashawn Gary's having as good a year as he did last year, but this whole you know, somehow convincing ourselves that he's so bad is just it's it's an absolutely false narrative. There's no two ways about it. The third one there'll break your heart, Russell Douglas at a 75. <laughs> He's uh he's injured right now, correct? Correct. But when that he was on the Packers, he was grading out as the third highest graded player. Like he finished, and he his PFF grade went through the roof after he went to Buffalo too. Yep. But uh, Jair Alexander seventy three point one that that makes me feel a, lo- a lot better about that situation. Obviously, Preston Smith seventy one point eight. Like you know, when you look at some of these, like you said, Devondre Campbell sixty five point seven. You just got to get better play at the linebacker position. He's been battling injuries. Maybe he'll get better as he you know as he completely heals up. Hopefully, he can. But uh, it's just cool to kind of cross check those. It's important. It's important to look at both uh, both sides of the uh, the aisle there when you're when you're kind of breaking down. Okay, how efficient have players actually been? Like you know, you see Jair Alexander. He's kind of low on this list at a one point three, considering he's the highest paid corner in the league, right? I've right. been I've been rough on him this year. I ain't gonna lie. You guys know. You listen to the pod. You know, I've some people will probably label me a Jair hater. That's not the case. When he got that interception the other day, I was his biggest fan. That's what we want to see. Just a whole lot of cap tied up in one player you know that's uh not even i don't even consider it a a position of tier two importance personally and i know a lot of people disagree with me on that for sure so um let's see i see you got one marked in here let's uh let's hit it daniel in the chat says i'm going to the game guys i'm going to yell pack daddy and packers total access when it's quiet when the 49ers are on offense advertising i like it i like it stop playing with them <laughs> you might get thrown out of the stadium too, but be careful out there. All right, you know how it goes. Love it. Uh, let's see here. Drew D says the thing about Gary is we gave him twenty-four million and he got nine sacks. That's not enough for me. If you put that much stock in sacks, I understand, Drew. I don't. I'm focused on the game plan. I'm focused on the pressures. Right. His pressure rate last time I checked with the with the qualifier being a minimum of forty pressures. He was uh, sitting 13th in the entire NFL in pressure rate. Yeah. People go, well, I'd rather have sacks over pressures. I would too. But would you rather have, you know, would you rather have nine sacks and half the pressures, or would you rather have double the pressures and, you know, six sacks? You know what I'm saying? Like you got to kind of put that into perspective. Um, same thing with the running game. When you look at the game plan, you look at what he's actually doing. I don't find it. I don't look, I don't watch Gary on the tape and go, man, he's just getting beat. What I see him doing is playing under control and really keying in on the run and then also making sure he's not rushing too far upfield. Yeah. Um, so I think what he's doing is playing within the scheme. Now, if you focus on the locker room videos and you see how excited everyone is, he doesn't look like the same Gary in the locker room. He looks kind of like he's disappointed in himself. 
I guarantee you he's having a hard time acclimating himself to that role of, hey, look, you can't just pin your ears back and go kill the quarterback, right? Um, and I, I respect that about him. When everyone else in the locker room is excited about a win and you see Gary kind of just like, to me, I don't take that as he's worried about, you know, he's selfish. I think he's looking at it like I want to do more for my team. He just yep. seems like that type of guy. So uh, what I'm excited to see, I want to see Rashawn Gary come out tomorrow and just wreak havoc. The problem is they've got a good running game, right? Probably not going to happen. You're going to see him trying to set the edge. You're going to see him play gap sound. He's going to play within the scheme and not play right. Yeah. And those kind of things don't jump off the stat sheet, right? Right. Not, you know, not breaking contain, you know, holding your edge, those kind of things. Not Like, that's not mm-hmm. going to show up on a stat line. It's not as exciting as a sack, but it's what Rashawn's been doing consistently. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, he provides a lot more than just sacks for this defense, for sure. Yeah, absolutely, man. He's a team leader. He's someone who sets the tone in the locker room. He battled back from that injury. You know, um, you know, and you hear him talk about improving in all three phases. We heard that that post game. You know, let's continue to get better in all three phases. Mm-hmm. And look at this team. That's what we've done over the last month. We've improved offensively, defensively. Special teams looks better. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so it's like Rashawn uh, has a point there. You know, that's those are the intangibles we talk about, right? Yeah. Leadership in a in a young locker room like this is uh, absolutely vital. Yeah. I know Drew D said, uh, you know, I'm. he said, okay, but if we just want a guy to set the edge, then we not pay a guy $10 million to do that. Drew, you're, you're not understanding what I'm saying, but respectfully, man, I'm not trying to be an a-hole here, but he can get to the quarterback. There, It's not just can he get to the quarterback or can he set the edge. There's not a world where it's okay you can set the edge and get to the quarterback if the game plan is specifically geared around, look, you really need to focus on setting the edge. It's not a, I can do, I can physically do one, but I can't physically do the other. It's we're choosing to do one and not the other because you're going to make yourself vulnerable in the running game if you choose to attack it that way. Which is what everyone's complained about, right? They've complained about our run defense forever. And we and we complained about everybody rushing up past the quarterback too. Yep. Right? It's like, what are we doing? Joe Barry's an idiot. Not Drew. This isn't directed toward Drew, but people are, Joe Barry's an idiot telling them to rush – He's not telling them, hey, guys, go nine yards up the field. But they're pinning their ears back and going after the quarterback and going, he's giving me the outside, and you set right into their trap. And he stepped yep. right up. And you could tell that was the Giants' game plan. Let's let them wash themselves out of the play, and let's take what they give us, right? Now, you stop doing that. You stop approaching it that way, and what happens? Your sacks, your pressures go down a bit. But, you know, who's the quarterback that scrambled all over them? Hasn't happened since DeVito, right? Like, uh, Brock Purdy can do it. That's the thing. So if this is the game, that's why I was saying I would love to see Gary come out and dominate. But if you have that same mentality you had going into the Giants, watch Brock Purdy step up in that pocket and take off on you, and you will have PTSD of Colin Kaepernick. Go ahead, Jake. I'm trying to phrase this in a way that won't get us in trouble. Is there any way that with the fall of Kingsley and Igbari that we may see the rise of Brenton Cox Jr.? Oh, my man, you are so you're so excited. Got to put his boy in there for sure. This is now, Jacob, I know you love Brenton Cox Jr. I know I love I was so excited about him coming in and I'm still excited. I think he's a player that in stats. I don't care. Here's the yeah. Here's the thing, though. When he played early in the year, everything we're talking about with Rashawn Gary right now, it applies times 20. That dude was just reckless. He was all. I mean, he would. 
it was like he he could only see this much of the field and was just like, I'm going to beat this guy in front of me and I'm just going to go in that direction. And they're literally running a power play in the opposite direction. A 300-pound lineman went by him. He didn't see him in the running back. And it's like, all right there, Hosscat, calm down a little bit. Let's uh, slow down and set the edge a touch. So, um, yeah, he – you're going to see him. I, I believe you're going to see him. I mean, who else is going to play edge, right? Like you got LVN, obviously there's going to be a heavy rotation there. You'll probably see more of LVN than you will see of, you know what I mean? Like it, normally LVN was getting, I, I don't know how many snaps he's been getting here lately. What was it like 15 to 22, something like that. If I remember correctly, you'll probably see his snap count go up to like, say maybe 28 and Brenton Cox won't get nowhere near what LVM was getting, but he might get five if he's active, right? And who knows, Jacob? We might be looking up on Sunday and you or Saturday and you losing your mind on the postgame show because he just balled out, right? I mean, he's he's got a ton of talent. There's no doubt about it. And one thing that was cool is he's he's really, really controlled his attitude too, you know? Um, that was something we were worried about, right, him coming into the league. So, uh, yeah, um, let's see here. Let's do this real quick. Um you sent me a video, Jacob. Let's have some fun with this, and then we're going to talk a little bit of sideline throws. This is a video Packers.com put up and Packers Twitter put up. They asked, what was the question they asked these players again in the facility? Jacob, you remember exactly? They said, which one of your fellow teammates would you let date your sister? God, such a bad <laughs> question. So they asked, of all the people in the building, who would you let date your sister? Here's the players' responses. Which teammate would I let date my sister? None of these dirt bags. None of them. That's the only answer. None of them. Try me. You ain't touching my sister. Anders Carlson. Anders Carlson. Nobody. Man, it's tough. Probably PT. I say PT. Patrick Taylor. Patrick Taylor. All these guys are dirtbags. None of them. <laughs> <laughs> Him? I'm the real big bro. Yeah, nobody, nobody date my sister. I would let Jaden Reed date my sister. I feel I like he'd say. be such a good guy. Nobody. Uh, I don't have a sister. Uh, but nobody, absolutely nobody. I love everybody on this team, but I ain't trusting y'all with my sister. Come on. <laughs> Tucker crowd. He should have been a guy. He a good guy. No. Not near one of them. <laughs> no one. No one. <laughs> I love this team, man. I love it. Uh, Jacob, that was a heck of a fine dude. As soon as we logged on, too, before you got on here, Jacob, Tim said, Hey, Packers put out a video. We got to find it. He was talking about that one, right, Tim? Yep. Jacob signed the ball for sure. Yeah. I like it. Anders Carlson. Everybody going to try to pick the kicker. Like, yeah, let's just get that <laughs> little Mr. Innocent Anders Carlson. Looks like he's an accountant or something, right? <laughs> uh, but, yeah, love it. All right, so um, there was some talk. I had a, a Greg Cosell video queued up. We're at the 46-minute mark. We could play it if y'all want. It's it's like eight minutes long, and we could pause it in between. Greg Cosell is so good at breaking down a tape. You guys want to hit that as we wrap up here? Is that cool with you guys? Yeah. All right, cool. This is Mike Walfers talking about sideline throws. It's 40 seconds long. He's talking about how there's going to be opportunities along the boundary of this defense, especially if they continue to play cover three zone, which is something that they're kind of notorious for doing out of shell They'll rotate and play cover three blitz a little bit too. But here's what Mike Wall says really, really quick. And now that deep out, and this happens a lot on tape because there's this, it's not that it's panic, but when you're showing two and maybe you're not comfortable playing four yards off and now you got all of a sudden you got your deep third of the field. 
man, you're going to turn around. You're not getting beat deep. And so some of this deeper stuff, as they switch from showing uh, showing a shell coverage to a single high or or vice versa, when they when they make these switches, when they bring a safety off the edge and they're playing two behind it, and so that 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 deep player has the slot receiver that we showed earlier. Those are the opportunities. Like these are gimme throws now for Jordan Love and other. All right, so he's just talking about the gimmies, right? Talking about the gimme throws. Rather than go to Greg Cosell, let's do this real quick. So just to kind of draw a little bit on the screen here, you guys can see this, right? We're going to nerd out. I want you guys to cut me off at any point, any questions, any comments, anything you see that I might be missing here, okay? So uh, let's just let's make this conversational, as they say in the business, all right? So this is kind of one of their nickel looks here. All right, you'll notice they've got two interior defensive linemen. Look how they got the close split there together. One looks like he's playing a one-tech. The other's playing that three-tech. They're trying to create an isolation, push the pocket in the middle. There's Bosa. There's your other edge, right? So you're bringing four on this play is what it looks like, right? On this specific play, they actually fire the cat blitz, okay? So notice how they've, they've kind of shown this modified shell look. Now, this guy's rotated down pretty, pretty heavy right here, right? So you're kind of tipping your hand early there, but they're still showing shell. So if you're bringing these guys right here, right, you're bringing these four on the blitz and you're firing the cat, then here's what the coverage rotates to, right? Deep third, deep third, hook zone, deep third, hook, and hook, right? What Mike Wall is talking about, if they do play this defense, right, then zones covered, deeps covered, deeps covered. They're going to fan it out. They're going to play it tight until those guys really start to stress that vertical aspect of their, their responsibilities, right? But when you look at where these zones end up sitting, where's the soft spot, right? And when you look at it, let's draw it in blue so it's a little bit easier to see. As those guys bail out, your soft spots become here. You see what I'm saying? underneath that corner that's dropping deep. Now, if you're in a normal two-by-two two set, they can really manipulate you here. And they can manipulate you by playing what we call flat, hard flat. Like he could go to the hard flat here, right? Especially if he's got tied in and they're playing some kind of zone match. If this corner right here doesn't blitz, he can play hard flat, but he can also kind of play it back a little bit and bait Jordan Love. So you got to be careful. How do you combat that? They're in a two-by-two two set here, right? You can see the Seattle Seahawks have got two on this side, two on this side. They're in 11 personnel. This is gun 11, strong right, T-same. So you're going two-by-two two set. If the Packers come out and play trips, right? So let's X this guy off here, okay? Let's say we come out and we play trips or Trey in this scenario, right? What it's probably going to do is move another defender, I'll put it in red, in this area right in here, okay? So how you would attack that, is you could you could go with a little wolf concept. You could go with smash. You could there's a ton of different things you can do, especially if you end up putting the T on this side too. So if we were to put the running back over here, look how overloaded one side is. When you play zone coverage, how you beat zone is you flood the zones, and you can flood the zones at every level, right? Let's pretend that this is actually a player right here. Here's just an example of how you could play this, right? You could stretch it deep vertically, right? vertical deep route you could bring a corner underneath and then you can attack the flat okay see how you're flooding that side of the field you're flooding that zone so if this this defender right here underneath let's say his primary focus is if and then if the y goes to the flat right then he's going to go to the flat let me draw it in red if he goes to the flat this guy's covering deep 
right? And this guy's sitting in a hook zone, okay? Look at the leverage he has on that corner route. The same thing applies, and let's just focus on one side of the field here. The same thing will apply if you are playing deep here, okay, and you run an out route. So if this slot receiver runs an out, the same thing applies. This hook defender, you've got you've to force them to show their hand whenever you are overloading that side of the field. You could also work the middle of the field. Remember the T that we talk about all the time, right? Let's X this guy out. He is now right here. The T is over here, right? Remember the T angle, right? This little route right here. You can work the middle of the field. Now the conflict defender becomes this guy right here. If his zone match principle, or if it's just spot drop, whatever it is, if it's to cover the flat, right, and he's looking for flat work, he's already playing outside leverage. This guy now has to key in on this out route. He's looking to pick. He's going to catch the number two, right, and dive on that. If this guy's playing that outside leverage, you set that T angle up, you're off to the freaking races just like we've seen in Chicago, right? That's how we attacked their zone defense in Chicago. That guy bounced too far out. Aaron Jones ran the T angle, and he was off the races. Now, as far as this guy covering the flat here, too, if that defender has curl uh, curl sideline responsibility and that guy's got flat, if you've got the Y on this side as well, then you can see how it's going to create a conflict for this defender right here, okay? Now, let's say, let's clear it off and say same scenario, this defender is actually going to play middle hook and this guy's buzzing down, right? The same thing applies. The same exact thing applies. The T, the T angle probably wouldn't be there, right? But if he's buzzing down on the flat from the makeshift Y that we're going to put in place, then guess what is open? Your corner, because he's going to walk this, uh, this DB out in that cover three. Now, some people are going, okay, Clayton, how do they stop it? If they really wanted to stop those trips concepts where you're attacking your flooding zone underneath, then they would want to play what we call cover two zone, right? Which would be safety deep, safety deep. Now that allows this guy to play cloud flat, right? Underneath, this guy dropping back underneath, underneath, and you're only bringing four. I think that's probably what you'll see the majority of from San Francisco because like we pointed out in the analytics, all the data su suggests that they're actually going to be playing. Um, they're going to be. They're only going to be rushing for defenders the majority of the time. It was like seventy percent of the time or whatever, right? So that's the stuff that Jordan Love has got to read. And when you're in a two by two set, it makes it difficult, right? But if you were to come out in a bunch set, now keep in mind we don't run. This is what I was trying to uh, articulate last year. This is Shane Waldron's offense. Shane Waldron came from the LA Rams. Shane Waldron went to Seattle and said, let's spread everything out. Look at these splits that they're using out here. Now, think of the splits that we use. We use Bunch Nasty X, right? We use uh, uh, Nasty Nub, all those things where these guys are inside the numbers. They like to spread things out a little closer to those Baylor splits. Not quite Baylor, but same type of idea. Does that make sense, guys? Yep, absolutely. Yep. All right, so just wanted to point that out. When Mike Wall played that video, it got me thinking, okay, how can we grab a screen grab to show how they show shell coverage and how they try to lean on this type of stuff? Um, I, don't know, I think it's fascinating. It's going to come down to one of the three things or one of the four things that we say is so important for, for uh, quarterbacks in the league, pre-snap read, post-snap read. Yep. And it's why if you show that same, that same pre-snap look, it makes it real hard on the quarterback as opposed to them declaring, right? And that's why I like shell look. Show shell every single play unless they're running on you. If that's the case, just show them that same 
single high look. That way they have to always read the defense afterwards. Now, if you're in man coverage, I should probably I probably shouldn't do it. I, I want to put it back up. If they were in man coverage, they'd be man aligned. It's tipping everything off. And that's a perfect example. If I flash it up one more time, you could tell this is zone coverage pre-snap read. There is no one lined up over that slot. Yep. Jordan would come to the line there and go, Yep, that's a zone. No, and, and you could even use motion to confirm it. If you if you motion, that's the other thing too. You can come out and dub nasty. A two by two set similar to this, everyone would just be inside the numbers, and then you motion that Y over. That's what Green Bay likes to do. They like to use those shifts, so they they know coming out. Look, that's why I always try to mention on Chalk Talk, dub nasty shift to tray left or whatever it may be. It's to 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 try to articulate to the listeners, to the viewers. They're doing that. They know they're going to run tray. They know they're going to run tray. They're just going to come out in dubs to try to get a little motion to see if they can get a tip on what the defense is doing pre-snap. So, I don't know. Hopefully that makes sense. But uh, questions, comments. Jacob, what do you think, Bo? <clears throat> no, I mean, uh, I'm just – I'm reading the comments, of course, and trying to not laugh on the air. But um, it seems I, – I, I just – as I watch this, man, I really do feel an odd sense of confidence because it's – you know, I, I think that it's – teams go throughout the year a lot of the older teams they're so banged up they're worried about keeping their body straight it's another benefit of these young kids being so ready to go that i think they're still they're not peaking yet and i think that each week you see them i I think they're maybe starting to understand as as you do any job like any job that you're going to do you get better with more repetition and i think that maybe these young guys are finally starting to understand the concepts better they're starting to grasp what their responsibilities are for each and every snap. Whereas before, I think they're maybe just reacting, using their their God-given talent. You know, they're making up for stuff with speed and quickness. But now, if they're able to settle in and they're starting to see the concept behind why we're calling this play, why are we rotating coverage this way? Why am I, you know, like we've talked about, why is Gary not over-pursuing? Because that means that it could break the play and we could end up screwing ourselves. There's a lot of it, I think, is starting to actually sink into them mentally and starting to match what they can do physically. Yeah. And another example, too, if you look at just that screen grab, look how open it looks for the run there. You know what yep. I'm saying? Yeah, like those, the box is real light. And when I went back and watched the Seattle game, I don't even know if they won the game. I just I wanted to go, who did they play that's like McVay, right, other than the Rams? Shane Waldron. Let's go to Shane Waldron. So I went to Shane Waldron and watched the tape, and they ran on the Niners early in that game. Like, it was pretty wild how, how effective they were at running the ball. I wanted to see how that game ended up. So they end up winning the game. It looked like uh, – let me zoom in here real quick. looked like they won that game 28-16 to 16 versus Seattle, the second matchup, okay? And then the first matchup, because I think they play them twice a year, right? I think, yeah, they were at Seattle. They won that one 31-13. to 13. So the second time through, Seattle kept it a lot closer. They played, like, just two weeks apart, uh, honestly. So uh, – yeah, just I wanted to kind of go get a look at that. And the thing that I come away with, I always try to take notes when I do this stuff. And the note I came away with from the Seattle game between Seattle and the 49ers was I was surprised. I'm not saying they ran rough shot over them, but I was surprised how well Seattle was able to run the ball. And then immediately it triggers in my mind, yeah, doofus, remember the data we looked at? They're one of the worst teams against zone run. So makes sense because we know McVeigh likes to run zone run out of nickel sets. So in this situation, if you do spread things out, Aaron Jones might be able to have a big day. It's going to come down to you staying ahead of schedule and more importantly, like we talked about, trying to jump out to that early lead. So, and again, keep this in mind too, guys. Uh, It's going to be raining. 
you know, we're looking at like a 70% chance of showers. So um, I think, uh, I think if you were to tell me at the end of the game, Brock Purdy turned the ball over twice and we didn't turn it over at all. I'm thinking we probably won this game. You know, if they protect the football and there's, you know, the turnover differential is even, they're probably going to beat us by a couple scores. That's kind of what it feels like to me. So Got to try to get to Brock Purdy. Um, try to try to do a little zone blitzing. Keep three on the shelf at all times. Keep three up top, you know, uh, deep, maybe three underneath. Throw in a little uh, fire five, and put some pressure on him and see if you can turn the ball over. That's exactly the blueprint that Baltimore laid out, and, and Baltimore bullied them. And, and listen, our defense is not Baltimore's defense. I don't want to give any false hope in that regard. I'm just saying that's probably the blueprint to try to try to beat this team. And the fact that they haven't played in a couple of weeks, really three weeks, they haven't played their starters in three weeks. Yep. I think that matters. I remember how I felt going to that San Francisco game where we had a first round by. It's I was yeah. like, it's, we ain't played ball in a couple of weeks now, you know? So, uh, anyway, we're at the hour mark. I got to get on the road. Let's go around the horn once. Tim, what else you got to add, buddy? Uh, just uh, real quick here in the comment, we can throw this up. Paul Robertson, San Francisco Sports Radio, thinking they're going to win by 50. Good. I love it. I love Good. it. Go ahead and make the same stupid mistake the Dallas Cowboys made last week. I'm all for it. Um, Now, of course, that's just a reflection of, you know, their local sports talk and maybe the fan base, not necessarily, you know, the players in the locker room. But, um, you know, hey, first round bye, right? You know, you got a home game. Confidence should be high. I I could see them uh, not necessarily sleeping on us, but um, maybe taking it for granted. And uh, like you said, man, we've got to give them hell. We absolutely do. And we, we've got to do the same things that, uh, you know, they do well, which is using deception on defense. We've got to be able to mix things in and uh, keep it interesting and give Brock Purdy a lot to analyze back there um, and make it tough on him. Uh, I, I don't think this is going to be a boat race in either direction at all. Now, of course, I said that last, same thing about the game last week. We ended up boat racing the Cowboys. So hopefully it's the same logic. Um, and I will say uh, final, final thought. I know I said Jordan Love was my pick. Uh, last night for the difference maker. Um, I got to pick one on the defensive side of the ball. And, uh, you know, it goes without saying with me, you already know who I'm going to pick, right? Who, who am I going to Oh, I like it. Another another one from Ja, bad ankle and all. Um, I think he's going to step up again in a big way in this game. So go, Pat, go. You know, we picked our offensive kind of clicks too, right? Like I said, uh, who did I say? Jaden Reed, right? Um, Tim, who did you say last night? You you said Jordan Love. I picked Jay Money, yeah. Uh, Jacob, who did you say again? I had him wrote Christian down. Watson. Christian Watson. Yeah. On defense, I'm thinking, Tim, you, you said Jair is going to have a big game, right? Is that what you're thinking? Going to carry that I, momentum I, I, over? Absolutely. That's here to tell you, Pack uh, is back. <laughs> what about you on defense, Jacob? Who are you thinking, man? Uh, I got to run here real quick, but I'm going to say – You're uh, going nowhere. That's who you think. I got to go to work. Uh, Lucas Vaness, man. I think he might, with that extra snaps, I'd love to say Brenton Cox Jr., but I think it might be uh, Lucas Vaness there. But uh, That's a good point. It's a good point. Get out of here, Jacob. Go make right. some money, bud. Hey, guys. Go go. See you. Mine, man, I you got to go with the first thing that comes to mind, right? And uh, the first thing that keeps coming to mind for me is Quay Walker. I don't know why, but I just feel like Quay's going to have a day. I feel like there might be a couple opportunities in the middle of the field, um, oh, especially yeah. if we, we go to play a little quarter, a little spot drop. I think he might get a pick here. I don't know, man. We'll see. Um, Oh, I love it, Clayton. I love it. If we're playing from ahead, that's going to be the key. 
Um, but it, man, it's going to be a heck of a task to get get out to an early lead on this team, and they're so good. That's so, so true, that's but that's a similarity to Dallas too, right? It's the same formula. San Francisco, if you get a couple scores on them and make them play from behind, that's your best best shot at uh, at winning the game for sure. So we got to go all gas, no break, right away from the opening kickoff to the to the end of the game. You know, yeah, definitely. Drew D, thank you for the super chat, buddy. Appreciate you. Says you want to kick or receive. I said receive. Tim, you said receive too, right? I did, but you know, I've been I've been thinking there might be some logic to Jacob's point. Right. Yeah, with the rain too, right? With the rain and just the, you know, maybe give our, our defense a chance to start hot, you know, get them out there, get them breathing down their neck, and yeah, get a three and out or or maybe not a three and out, but you know, a little five or six play drive that ends in a punt, we'll take it. And then now we get the ball in the third quarter and and we're good on our, our opening possession here. We didn't give up anything. So um, I don't know if I'm going to fully flip-flop, but I'm, I am. I'm kind of leaning towards maybe deferring here and uh, putting that defense out there on the road. Yeah. I, I'm i going to have to stick with it. You guys know traditionally I'm a big defer to the second half. I, I'm really, really big on that. Um, I like the idea of trying to steal a possession there at the end of the half and get the ball right back after halftime. Yep. But man, this whole taking the ball and, and putting the other team on their on their heels. If we don't do that in Dallas, I don't know if that game goes the same way. Very you know? true. Because you put them on their heels and then you turn right around and got the pick, if I remember correctly. And it was just like and the biggest thing about that opening drive too was not so much, yeah, of course it ends in a tutter. That's what we want. But man, we just ate up that first quarter. I mean, by the time Dak and those those guys hit the field, it's like, you know, we almost ate up half of that that first quarter on that first drive. So that's that's huge too. I mean, you're you know, Brock Purdy's not going to hurt you sitting on the bench, you know. No, he, he's not. You're right. So, all right, we'll see what happens. It's going to be a lot of fun. Again, guys, no morning show to, uh, tomorrow. No night show tonight. Just like normal on Friday nights. It's date night, so no live stream. We will see you guys for the pregame show for sure and the post-game show. If I get back somehow, some way, a little earlier tomorrow, we might do three streams, but just playing on the pre-game and post-game. And uh, we'll get everything set up. It's going to be a lot of fun. Hey, playing with the house is money, no matter what happens. Hell of a season. Youngest team in the league. Making the playoffs. Um, got your quarterback of the future. You got a wide receiver core that's just looking phenomenal. Um, got a couple of number ones in, in, in Jaden Reed. And uh, Dontavian Wicks, you got some solid twos in Romeo Dobbs and Christian Watson. You got two starting caliber tight ends, it seems. Your offensive line is still pass blocking great. Got to get the run blocking short up a bit. Aaron Jones looks like he's got more gas in the tank. Yep. I think you bring him back on an adjusted contract next year. Um, he's the leader of this offense. Uh, on the defensive side of the ball, I just hate to see you tear it down and take a step back, take two steps back or – you know, I mean, take two steps back to take one step forward next year. And then the following year, now you take another step forward and you're back uh, statistically where you were Joe Barry's last year. And we're having the same conversation in year three going, we need a new D.C. I'm just tired of that, man. It's happened yep. over and over. Um, but, yeah, we'll see. Let's see what happens there Saturday night, man. It's going to set the tone for the future of the Packers for sure. I think the tone's already set, but, man, we got a chance to really pour gas on the fire. If we could somehow, some way come away with an upset win out there nine and a half point underdogs in san francisco true it's gonna be I good love it. it's gonna be good wouldn't have it any other way but drew thank you for the super chat buddy appreciate you we're gonna walk into levi stadium with that attitude uh who do you think you are i am i love it <laughs> cheesehead murph said carl brooks i like it murph i like it man 
Um, would that be something Carl Brooks get a couple sacks, one of them a strip sack, Quay Walker recovers it, and I go, see, I told you Quay. And she said, Murph, I go, see, I told you Carl. So <laughs> and Murph always sticking together. I like it. So, all right, we're out of here, guys. I'm going to hit the road. Appreciate you guys and gals so much. This was a lot of fun. Um, I will see you guys for the pregame show. Tim, appreciate you. You'll be good for the pregame, right? Absolutely. All right, man, I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be a blast. If you guys would, hit that like button for us so other Packer fans can find this channel, find this content. The channel is absolutely exploding. We're working on the merch, trying a few new designs, see if it'll get approved. If it does, then we'll get you guys some merch out there. Appreciate y'all staying patient. And if you did place an order, you'll be getting a refund because most likely the product you picked uh, didn't get approved out of the gate. I wish they approved it beforehand, but it doesn't work like that with Zazzle. But they've been really, really good working with us. So we'll get that straightened out. But Thanks, everybody. Appreciate y'all. For those of you listening on the pod, thank you for making us a part of your day. As always, let's go out and be the change we want to see in the world. And go Pack Go.